Well, Merry Christmas, guys. I knew we wouldn't miss our, our special Christmas show. I love the holidays so much. <laughs> Just so happy to be here. <laughs> Christmas. Uh, Christmas was a couple days ago, Sean. Sorry to, uh, sorry to break it to you. What are you talking about? We, we, we never made a Christmas podcast. Clearly Christmas hasn't happened yet. Was that the only measure of whether Christmas comes or not for you? Did you not do anything for the holidays? I, I, I want to get some presents. But I got to give to get, you know, like the Beatles said. And the podcast was going to be our present to the world. What Beatles hug was that? Was that <laughs> <laughs> you, you get what you give? Is that, that, was that a Beatles song? It's like all of them. It's kind of like the... It's like metatextual. It's like if you... Like take apart like all the themes of all the Beatles work. You get what you give. You get what you give. You get what you give all night. See, so we miss. <laughs> you gave a little twist there at the end, John. <laughs> Wasn't expecting that. Uh, so we missed Christmas, huh? You did. I mean, I I celebrated Christmas. I'm not sure. Uh... Not sure how things panned out for you. Were you just sitting in your room the whole time and kind of wondering why everyone was upstairs and celebrating? Oh man, I don't know. Well, I mean, you did get a PS4 and an Xbox within the last hey, month. Hey, I bought that PS4 and I earned that Xbox One. <laughs> how did you earn it? Well, I got up at three in the morning and ordered it on Amazon. So if Christmas is come and gone, that means that New Year's is up next, right? Yeah, and it wouldn't be New Year's without a remembrance of the year that we have just experienced, right? Mm-hmm. 2013. So that means it's time for the most important list-making show of the entire year. The one set of lists that no one else is willing to make. The most mediocre stuff. I'm talking about the Mildly Pleased Awards. And I am one of your four hosts. My name is Sean Lemmy. John Otney. And Colin Westman. And Matt Kirsten. They're all here. The whole team. The whole Mildly Pleased squad. My special guest, Nick Duncan. Wish you could be here. (laughs) (laughs) That's that's the strangest kind of special guest. The one that doesn't show up. Wish you could be here. Hey, he called in one time, so. Yeah, he's part of the family. I'm going to you know, I'm going to the football game with him, so it's not a big deal. I'll see how he's doing. See see what he thinks about the list. Yeah. Posthumously. Yeah. After what it's was dead. that word? <laughs> it's close enough. <laughs> I can never pronounce that word. So in case uh you guys didn't listen last year, this is the second annual Mildly Pleased Awards where we count down uh well not really count down, we've already counted down um our, our We're counting down, sure. Our our five 
most mildly pleasing uh, pieces of media. We've, we've got acting performances, we've got movies, we've got video games, we've got albums. We've got lots to talk about. Uh, no reason to spend much time building it up, so let's just leap right into the first and easiest and quickest category, because I'm the only one who gets to do it, and that is the most mildly pleasing video game of the year. Unless, uh, uh, Colin, I'm guessing you didn't, you don't have anything, but, but Nancy or John, any last-minute shout-outs you want to throw in? I only played video games from two years ago, so... <laughs> Um, maybe NES Remix. I feel like I liked it a little more, but just because it's just old recycled Nintendo games. Isn't it like 15 bucks, too? It's 15 bucks. Yeah, it seems like a lot for what it is. Anyway, um, um, the, the five uh, video game nominees that I chose this year as, as mildly pleasing games are uh, Dragon's Crown, uh, which if you guys didn't hear about that one, was a, uh, a side-scrolling beat-em-up game, kind of you know, like a Streets of Rage type deal, mm-hmm. uh, in a fantasy setting. Uh, it's it's all right. It's it's pretty fun. It's 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 deeper than I, I would expect a game like that to be. Uh, but it got really mired in the fact that uh, it has this great hand drawn art style, and the way they present women is really over the top and pretty sexist. Like uh, <laughs> like at first speaking my language. At first, uh, at first, it's like kind of innocuous because like there's there's the the male barbarian and he's just like a huge like conan dude and it's like really over the top just like a pile of muscles <laughs> given human form somehow uh and he's pretty much naked and so they have the woman version of that and she's pretty much naked too um i think the worst of the main characters is um the the mage the the lady wizard um and it's not because of the way she looks it's because when she moves around her gigantic breasts heave up and down it, also independently of each other for some reason it's well, it, just good physics it, it looks uh it's it's it looks embarrassing i would never play as that character um but even if you can get past that then there's the stuff like um you help out like a fairy and this like nun woman and they're just like how's when, the nun look when well when you see her like in a cinematic she's just like laying down sprawled out it's <laughs> It's, oh, yeah. it's you're getting me more interested in this game. Wow, it's 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 embarrassing to play. Um, what about the fairy? Is it a gay dude? Don't tell no, me it's a gay it's dude. It's not a gay dude. It's no. a scantily clad woman who's like I don't know, really tiny. Which is weird. Like, why make that sexy if she's like six inches tall? Uh, yeah, hey, sexy. Six inches all you need. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it's a, you know it's okay. I had I had some fun with it. Um, if you can get past that aspect of it, I think you'll probably be fine with it. Uh, another nominee was Fuse, which I called the most mediocre game of all time in its, in its review on the blog. Uh, because I can't really fault the game for anything. I think it does everything well. It just doesn't do anything great. It's super boring. Uh, it's, it's a third person. You mean like shooter. the story's boring. The story is the it's it's like uh, you're like this like government military agency, and then there's also this like PMC that's also like basically like Cobra from uh, GI Joe, and you you just kill like thousands of their dudes, and they have this special chemical called Fuse that they're going to use to take over the world. Sounds um, like a energy drink. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure it is. Um, What's disappointing is that this is by the guys who made um, Resistance and um, 
the the Ratchet and Clank games. Uh, so they have a, a long track record of of making shooters with like really inventive and fun guns to use. And here that like the actual setup is like every character has like a really inventive and fun gun to use, except they're not that interesting. Like one guy has a shield that like catches bullets and then he can shoot the bullets back, but it's pretty boring. And I, my favorite one was a girl who shoots people enough and then it like makes a little black hole. And it's like, okay, that's all right. But uh, I had more fun playing Mass Effect and a lot of people don't even think Mass Effect combat is good, but they're weird. Uh, another nominee was uh, Marvel Heroes, which was a Diablo-style game with uh, Marvel superheroes. So, um, you know, you go around, it's an isom- isometric third-person angle, you go around beating up infinite goons, gathering loot, um, and it kind of just falls apart because, um, you know, a game like this is supposed to be loot-driven, and when you're playing as a superhero, it's not like you're getting cool new armor, because you, you just have a set look, and you're not getting weapons, because they have superpowers, they just, most of them just beat them up with their bare hands. Uh, so that motivation is totally gone, um, and all that's left is that you want to play as other superheroes, and then the game, it's a free-to-play game, but they charge you like $20 if you want to unlock a new superhero, which is Ugh. way too much. Though I, I mean, a, a game like that should be designed for, hey, I'm having fun playing as Captain America, but I'd love to get Superman. I'd totally throw a dollar or $5 for that, but $20, $40, $60 for a character, that's ridiculous. Um, Monster Hunter 3 Ultimate was a Wii U game I tried. It was one of the first Wii U games I rented. I was really excited about it because it's a it's a beloved series. I don't think it's a bad game. It's just a game um, that's really specific in the way that it controls and it's designed. And if you're not willing to invest in that style of gameplay, it is impenetrable. Uh, it, it's it's just too much learning of how to fight and and how these monsters behave and it's it's really hard to get into you got to like look up all sorts of guides on the internet on just how to play the game and it was it was too much to for me um but and i know there's plenty of people who probably say it's the game of the year and the winner for the most mildly pleasing video game of 2013 is sim city which came out everyone was so excited it seems like two years ago <laughs> when did this game come out that was i think march that it came out this has been like the longest year <laughs> in some ways. Um, but then, Jesus Christ, the, the, the servers were down. And it, like in the end, we learned that the always-on requirement didn't even really need to exist. And it's just really embarrassing uh, that, that the game turned out to be so bad uh, in, in, in just the way it was designed. Because of actually playing it, it's pretty fun. Um, so SimCity, most mildly pleasing video game of the year for me and for all of us. Sorry. Keep going. <laughs> Sean, just, Sean just looked at me like I killed somebody. Um, so next up is our viral video category. This is the most confusing and difficult category. Uh, so it's a good one to, <laughs> to get early in the show when we're still vital and we're, we're and still, still not quite sure how to judge these things. Uh, okay. I, I believe it's it's hard because all viral vi- videos are in themselves pretty mildly pleasing because they're not like they're just things people did on accident and it's kind of funny mm-hmm. and amusing and it's like 
30 seconds long. Yeah, and so uh, because of like the nature of YouTube and internet culture, we we're not expecting you to have seen all these. So I'll, I'll put uh, all the all these videos in 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 the uh, description of the post and on the YouTube description or the iTunes description of this podcast. So I recommend you stop now and go watch the videos because we're not going to have any clips or anything to talk about. And you're just going to have to go off memory. So our first nominee uh, for viral video of the year was uh, the guy almost drowning in a puddle. Which... I didn't see any of these. Those are jerks. <laughs> yeah, we watched these all while Nancy left the room. <laughs> um, so this is a video of, the, of uh, this guy is filming his friend, and he says, "You know, he's going to jump in this puddle and ruin his new shoes. So he leaps up and jumps into the puddle, and then, like, his entire body disappears into it because it's like some super deep pothole and he swims out of it and he's like soaked and scared and his friend laughs so hard he falls down on the ground like he's filming. Um, and it's just something I appreciate because uh, so many, you know, fail videos are people being horribly embarrassed or injured. And I like one where it's like, the, you know, he couldn't have done anything about that. Who, who would have expected that? And he's okay. No one's hurt. It's it's all in good fun, and I I, just, I appreciate that in a, in a viral video. You think the guy with the camera had set this whole thing up, or if this was just an accident? Because that guy is laughing like way harder than everyone else. <laughs> like it seems like this was possibly pre-planned, or at least he knew about this super deep pothole. I don't know if he dug it himself. <laughs> <laughs> if he is, he's some sort of maniacal bastard. But. Yeah. Uh, I can't really speak to that. I don't know. I, I hope it's not. I hope it all just happened and he just thinks it's really funny. Because I do. Yeah. Well, I remember I... that one time that you, I was walking to Sean's house with my eyes closed and Colin led me right into a big hole of sticker bushes. I mean, if that was filmed, that would, what would you feel about that, Sean? That's, it sounds painful. See, what I was talking about earlier about him, like, everyone, it was all good fun. <laughs> it sounds kind of malicious what yeah, Colin was, did to that was more Colin being a jerk. I mean, you closed your eyes and you're like, lead me. I feel like you're leaving me way too open to fuck with you at that point. I don't know. That was poor judgment on your part. I thought I had a friend. You did. The next nominee uh, is the the TV reporter reading the names. This of, was all in good fun. Of the Asiana <laughs> 214 uh, pilots. This is kind of fucked up. Yeah, the, the, the famous plane crash that happened earlier this year. Uh, and someone sent in the names of the pilots. Of course, they were just made up descriptions of the crash as it happened. So the first pilot is named Something Wong, and it ends with like Bang Ding Ow. <laughs> uh, who could forget Holy Fook? Holy Fook. She was very careful to pronounce <laughs> that one correctly. Right. We, we then, too low. Yeah, we too low. Uh, I'm, I'm amazed that they couldn't like because if I saw it right away and now if there's something mm-hmm. wrong, I don't know why they didn't. Like, how long do you think they had that? Inf- do you think they just got I'm it that sure moment? I'm sure they just mm-hmm. got it, and because it was a breaking news story, they felt that they had to get it up there as soon as possible. But they weren't really... Well, they were, they well, weren't. we learned in Anchorman, and, you know... Sensationalism, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Just got to do it in the heat of the moment. Nancy, you've worked in the news. How would you have dealt with the story behind the scenes? Well, you know, I work for a dead medium, so... <laughs> we would have, you know, probably caught it. 
And then no one would have read it in the uh, newspaper the next day anyways. So. <laughs> <laughs> no one would have cared. Um, the next one is, uh, don't worry, it's just e- uh, ESD, which is this guy uh, showing how electric shocks work, I guess. Uh, he's just trying to talk about how to ground certain electronic devices, and he keeps horribly shocking himself. Um probably a staged video i don't know if there's a series of these or if it's one he's pretty good at like i don't know like acting keeping a straight surprised face her, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. well i feel like even if it's planned what he's doing to himself probably still hurts a lot <laughs> so i'm sure there's some sort of sincerity in his reaction like he's actually getting hurt so even if that's the case i can i could get behind a guy hurting himself yeah for comedy mm-hmm or maybe it's just an accident. I don't know. Either way, it's I'm less excited about this. Yeah. I mean, it feels like genuine. I mean, if it is staged, it's a good job of of staging it because it's there's big spaces in between where he's not doing anything, hurting himself, and then it always seems like an accident. So I can appreciate that on both levels. Next is uh, Ryan Gosling won't eat his cereal, which is. Um, it's just some guy holding a spoonful of cereal up to certain Ryan Gosling movie scenes, um, and Ryan Gosling, uh, you know, reacting to it. He's, he's just perfectly chosen shots of of him turning away or covering his mouth <laughs> or looking disgusted. Um, I think the best one is he times Ryan Gosling like sort of raising his hand as if it's him swatting the spoon away from his mouth. Uh, that's that's pretty fun to watch. That's what I admire about it, even if it is of such poor quality. You know, he this guy, like or whoever this person was, found these moments, you know, had to think about it for a minute and find the right moments where he's like, you know, going, Ew, or just wiping his hand. Or putting like a scarf over his butt. Yeah, so there's a lot more work put in there that, you know. You'll see. Was this cereal? It looked like mac and cheese to me. It looked like Cap'n Crunch. Okay. Well, they're both yellow. Both of equal nutritional value. It's pretty good. Um, finally, is the Star Spangled Banner fail video. Um, it's it's a... Uh, how old would you say that? You think that's middle school? Yeah. That's a, a middle school band performing the Star Spangled Banner. And um, this one kid is on... Uh, the symbols and he crashes them together kind of in the middle of the song and the handle breaks off his symbol and he just drops them and then takes a moment to like think what what possible should way I, out of should this. I pick them up yeah should I leave them? what's the what's the way out of the situation and he decides on I'll just stand there and salute the American flag <laughs> for the rest of the video I didn't know the handle was broken. That makes a lot more sense. It's like, why is he? Is he just too just too nervous? And then at first, I was like, it almost looks more like he's like looking out to the crowd. Like he puts his hand above his eyes, like see if like look for help, but like a way out. I didn't realize this is a salute because I don't know, kind of an awkward salute. He, I guess I assume there's a flag over there. Or yeah, something. he's saluting a flag. It's just funny because like you can tell he doesn't want to offend anyone. He doesn't. He wants to do the right thing. <laughs> mm-hmm. And the reaction, like the bass player, a couple people over, is just looking at him and cracking up. <laughs> it's very, like, kid logic, whatever was going on in yeah. his head. Like, if I just salute people, they'll be okay, right? Yeah, yeah, Just yeah. salute the American flag. Everybody likes it when that happens. I mean, he's right. I mean, it's no one's going to be offended <laughs> by him, like, showing respect. Yeah. Like, But I'm like, like as a percussionist... 
that has been in middle school. Middle I feel school, like I would have yeah. picked it up. I would have picked the symbols up. Mm-hmm. I don't know. It's maybe I just don't love America. Yeah, though. I guess so. I love, yeah. I love the song more than America. Uh, you always hear like the thing they tell uh, you know little kid musicians when they're playing if they mess up. Is he, is he, the parent or whoever told him, well, you know, no one can even hear that you messed up. <laughs> this is it's one of the times the crash can, can really play that. Especially when he's, like, standing right in the middle of everything. Like, there's a whole choir and different music sections. It's front and center. So, guys, what do you want to make our mildly pleased viral video of the year? So what does that mean? Mm-hmm. I think they're all uh, mildly pleasing um, unless you, is there one you like genuinely feel really great about? Like this is better than mildly pleasing. Again, they're all inherently mildly. Yeah, pleasing. I think they're all inherently mildly I think, pleasing. Yeah, we go with that and we pick our favorite. Yeah, pick your favorite. That's what I was. That was where I was going with that. Yeah, I go symbols. Yeah, let's go symbols. Yeah, me too. All right, Star Spangled Banner last year. Um, and of course, it's been a great year for YouTube. It kind of has all fallen apart in these last couple months. Uh, but there's a lot of great original content on YouTube. It's a very exciting place. Um, our next and last kind of weird category is the most mildly pleasing event of the year. Um, this is where we take a, a news story and we opinionate about it. <laughs> well said. Uh, so our first nominee is the new consoles, uh, PS4 and Xbox One both came out this year. Um, and... In all the release hype, let's not forget that when they announced the Xbox One early in this year, they announced a, a whole bunch of features, including um, when you put the disc in, it would become assigned to your console, and it would download, and they had all this cool like DRM stuff where like your games were basically digital games uh, that people reacted loudly to on the internet and caused Microsoft to basically backpedal everything that they were doing cool and interesting with the Xbox One. Just to make it have parity with with the PS4, um, and then a, a bunch of cool games got delayed, or or uh, games that we assumed were coming out got announced for actually 2014. Uh, like Watch Dogs didn't come out, Titanfall's not till March, Infamous isn't till March, um, and in the end we got like two machines that launched with a bunch of their even their basic hardware functionality not there. Um, like I, I got, I got an Xbox one for Christmas and I have to listen to music on stereo through our 5.1 system because Microsoft hasn't patched in, uh, Dolby digital sound yet. And, um, what kind of music do you listen to in surround sound music? Yeah. Did I say music? Yeah. I well, think. I meant TV and video games because oh. <laughs> that's what yeah, I do on the Xbox one. Although um, I was probably because I was thinking of the PS4, you can't actually play audio CDs on yet. They haven't patched that functionality in. But who the hell puts a CD <laughs> in their PS4? I don't know. Maybe, you know, I guess you assume yeah, the home theater is your yeah. best sound system. Yeah. And if, you, if you're really serious about music and you just want to sit there and listen to it. It's like a party. Yeah, be immersed. Uh, that's the thing. Um, anyway, I think they're two really great consoles. Um, but only idiots like me should have either of them yet. And only, like, super idiots like me should have both of them right now. And a Wii U. And a Wii U, of course. I'm just surprised there wasn't, like, any, like, really exciting launch titles 
Because I feel like that's the whole reason that I'd want to buy one. It's like, oh, I have to have that game. I can't have it any other way. And there's nothing yeah. even you know, like coming yeah. up even that soon. That I'm like, oh, well, I have to have it now. It, it was interesting. The story of like every launch game kind of got tweaked. Like uh, Killzone was so pretty. And people were like, finally, they're going to launch a Killzone with a console. It's going to be great. Uh, except no one knew that Killzone was actually just going to be like really okay and kind of regressive in its design as a shooter. Um, so that it kind of made me long for even like a Call of Duty campaign, which is not what that should have been. I mean, you played Killzone three, right, Nancy? Yeah, I love I love Killzone two and three, and I'm and I don't like first person shooters. Remember in Killzone three, you had like the cool jetpack, and there was like a mech yeah. part. Yeah. All that's gone. You're just a dude with a machine gun in this game. <laughs> um, and and the Sweet, bro. the other big PS four launch title was Knack, um, which just, no one cares about. What's that Rome one? So that's the Xbox One launch title, which I have not played yet. It's probably, like, okay. Uh, but the story there has always been, it used to be, like, a cool connect, like, be a gladiator and fight game. And then they totally switched it to, it's, like, button prompts. And you just, you know, hit the buttons at the right time. And the game's not that exciting to play. Um, and then Forza was, like, the game everyone was, was excited about on Xbox One. They said this is, like, a, a great new racing game. Except then the story became they sell you some cars for, like, a ton of real money. And they super slow down your ability to unlock it with anything but money. So now it's, like, this whole, like, what's the deal with microtransactions? This sucks. And people have kind of forgotten that that's, a, like, a good racing game. Um Dead Rising's actually been pretty cool though, and Resogun on PS4. There's been some all right games, but nothing, nothing to get you to like shell out 500 bucks for a machine to play it on. Do Do you think that the developers will keep backing away from the Connect? Or I mean, it's interesting because the Connect is comes with every box now. Yeah. So uh, I mean, that was always the thing that kind of scared people off was you have to you you basically limit your audience because it's no longer just everyone with a 360. It was just people with a Connect. And from there, it's just people who want to use their Connect. Um, maybe, uh, I mean, we like Dead Rising, the way they use the Connect is there's some voice commands. And also, if a zombie grabs you, you can kind of just jerk your body away instead of pressing a button on the controller. It's funny to me, like all the people that used to play ga- like racing games and they'd actually turn the controller. Now they're, they're getting their day. Yeah, they're the target demo. Yeah, right. <laughs> they're, getting, they're just getting ready. So uh, it's been okay. I I think I'll be pretty happy with both new consoles next year. Um, Next is Paula Deen's whole turning out to be racist thing. Um, Do you guys remember this story? Vaguely. From what I remember, uh, she wanted to have a a um, some sort of party. (laughs) I don't remember what kind of party. but she southern want, theme. It, yes, southern theme, um, because she wanted to hire like black waiters and waitresses to sort of act like slaves at the party. Is that uh, really what it was? <laughs> wow. The main story I remember was just some guy that used to work for her, so that she threw the n word around. Yeah, a bunch. all the time. I didn't hear about this slave party as much. Um, the <laughs> well, that was always, always funny to me because, like, how stupid are you? Um, <laughs> but then this, this whole, yeah, that, that that part's not as funny to me. She's just, like, N-words all the time. 
just looking at Wikipedia right now. <laughs> See if I can get the story right. But whatever. Uh, Paula D is racist. Of course, a few people came out as racist this year. Um, we didn't talk about Duck Dynasty guy. Like Duck Dynasty guy who's already back at work, which sucks. Total bullshit. What does that mean, work? He's back at work. <laughs> He's back living back on TV. Yeah. Lavish lifestyle on TV. Suspended for all of a week. Pathetic. Um, back to the A&E office building. <laughs> But Paul D's kind of funny. Sitting in his cubicle. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but seriously, it's funny that, uh, like, such a southern woman is, you know, she's all about, like, deep frying food and putting butter on everything. Deep and, uh, frying her beliefs. And, yeah, she's, like, super racist. Yeah, it's funny. And sad. Which, mildly pleasing. Um, the Pope switcheroo was fun, right? Cause, uh, super fun. Pope Benedict was basically the emperor from Star Wars, and nobody liked him, and <laughs> everyone was giving him a hard time, so he just fucking called it quits. For the first time in, like, hundreds of years, Pope just checked out. Peace. Which, what do you think he's doing now? What's your, what's the Pope retirement plan like? Just playing golf. Softball. Softball? Softball. Well, a lot of sports, huh? <laughs> just trying to stay fit. He's just gaming. Shuffleboard. Um, and then the other end was uh, the new Pope, uh, Francis, right? Mm-hmm. Pope Francis. He came in, and he's totally all about poor people and helping out. and like Going undercover to help poor people. Yeah. And, you know, he's, like, helping out, like, deformed people and stuff. He's just, like, being, like, a real good guy. And people are like, oh, this is weird. <laughs> like, we're not quite used to this kind of Pope behavior. We're used to more of, like, a... Uh, Defend the pedophiles type pope, and uh, it's it's been refreshing and fun, right? Everybody's been having a good yeah, time. Yeah, I'm having with a good Catholicism. time. Catholicism. Yeah, good Whatever. for those guys. Well, he right? was, like the the jarring thing to me, he said he's like, well, yeah, you know, basically like gays and atheists, and yeah, they'll all get into heaven. Sure, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> if they live good lives. Yeah, if, if you're a good person, you'll go to heaven. And people are like, wait, wait, no, <laughs> we're supposed to hate everybody. Maybe a little too pleasing, actually, for for the mildly pleasing event yeah, of the year. Yeah, it seems pretty good. Um, especially up against the next one on our list, <laughs> which is the Rob Ford scandal fest. <laughs> I don't know. I think this is a little more than mildly pleasing. <laughs> it's hilarious. Uh, who here feels capable of capturing the Rob Ford saga? Not me. I, I think Nancy wants a shot at it. No, I don't want a shot at it. <laughs> what can you tell us about Rob Ford? Um, he's the mayor of Toronto. He has smoked crack. Um, one of his drunken stupors. One of his drunken stupors. I mean, that was his excuse. Which I mean, is, yeah, I mean, who, really who hasn't? Who hasn't? <laughs> Our mayor shouldn't be going into drunken stupors. You know, he likes to party. All right, <laughs> don't blame him. He's having a good time in, in one of the most beautiful cities in the world. You know. Well, what I don't understand is so this whole thing happened with the crack. And, like, that's pretty, like, embarrassing. But then it's, like, everything that has followed, has this been going on his whole mayoral career? Or is it just now that we're noticing it? Or is it just everything's just exploded and he's just lost control of everything? Like, I think he's always had little, like, funny things. Like him running into the camera and now that dropping an F-bomb. It's like, wow, this guy smokes crack and gets super drunk. It, this, it makes drive. so much sense now. And there's so many good gifts of him, like, trying to dance and... My Try favorite of him r- running 
Just bowling over a councilwoman. <laughs> just knocking her over. Where was he going when he was running like he's, that? He's about to attack someone. I don't know. Giving out free donuts. And, and also when he's, you know, mimicking drinking and driving because the... I think it was the some councilman that was talking about him had been arrested for drinking and driving, so he was like mocking him, waving his little fists up in the air. Well, he was like driving, and yeah, drinking, yeah. And drinking, and driving. <laughs> like that's tasteful. Um, but of course, I think it all peaked. At least it. Ha- I can't imagine it going any higher uh, than when the sexual. Uh, misconduct allegations started coming out that he had uh, had affairs and he had harassed women and it came to the point where one woman uh, accused him of uh, I, th- I think offering to perform oral sex not even actually having an affair with her uh, and he said to the press that's ridiculous I have enough to eat at home <laughs> swish which okay. Can you imagine Obama saying that? Can you imagine? Well, he's a mayor. He's not a. He's not the. Can you imagine of the... Rudy Giuliani saying that? I mean, it's Canada. That's <laughs> I mean, no excuse. <laughs> he's uh. supposed to represent a people, and I mean, it makes Toronto look bad. Like, why would they ever elect that guy? It's not his fault they elect. Him. I know it's not his fault. I mean, well, that's why it's like mildly pleasing. Because on one hand, it's super funny, but on the other hand, I just I like. To think that that kind of person can get elected anywhere. He's deciding major policy. Well, like, did you see the Daily Show bit on him where people actually like his political decisions, you know? Like, they like how he acts as a mayor, just not as a human <laughs> being. <laughs> kind of like the opposite of the Bush presidency. Yeah, sure. This is, that's a really great story, and, and I'm glad that he's a person in the world, uh, although maybe not a person in power. Uh, our final mildly pleasing event of the year was the royal baby, because uh, it's like I can't, I can't be like, oh, this baby was born. I hate this baby. Fuck this baby. <laughs> like I, I would feel guilty about that, but then on the other hand, is like all people were talking about was this goddamn baby for fucking forever, like a month. What well, part of this is pleasing? <laughs> this is like a baby. It's like cute. It's Who like, cares? Hey, way to go, baby. He's getting born every way day. Way to go, procreation. <laughs> That's not good enough for me. <laughs> All right, then, John. What is the most mildly pleasing event of the year? Um, it's a tough one. Uh, new consoles. New consoles. It's cool that they're out there, but I don't want them yet. I I, I could agree with that. Call. Yeah, I think it's the, the least exciting out of all of these, which I guess is the criteria. A couple of them are too good. Wildly so, uh, well, it's yeah. something that's yeah. too bad. It's oh, a yeah. positive. Paula Dean is too sad. Yeah. Royal Baby is just the media being shitty. Post Switcheroo, he's like a really great guy that's so far. That's more of a thumbs up. Yeah, that's so not thumbs really up. A mildly pleasing. And, and then Rob Ford. I think that's the only real major contender with new consoles for me because yeah. it's like really funny, but mm-hmm. it's also really sad. I think it's got. I feel be, like it's too remarkable to be yeah. mildly pleasing. Like the it's consoles are good fun. because the consoles are good because hey, we like video games, but we don't want them. <laughs> and it shouldn't really matter to the world. Yeah. Okay. So uh, new the new consoles, Xbox One and PlayStation Four, is our mildly pleasing event of the year. 
Okay, mildly pleasing TV show. Uh, I don't know how much you guys have paid attention to uh, any of these, but I've watched a lot of all of them. Uh, so, so here we go. The uh, our, our top five uh, most mildly pleasing. So I guess our middle five uh, TV shows of 2013. Uh, first up is Agents of Shield, uh, which I was fairly excited about. I know. A lot of people have soured on superhero stuff this year. Um, I think my problem with it is I tuned in for about the first ten minutes, and there wasn't enough superhero stuff for me. Mm-hmm. Like I was like a Marvel. Only TV gave show. it ten minutes. <laughs> I gave it. I was just no. This is just too. It's espionage, thriller stuff. It seems okay, but it seems like pretty generic. And like there's already a million shows that already like it. Yeah, and that's kind of the problem with Agents of Shield. Is you know it's set on a giant jet, so. It's kind of like Firefly, and it's got a fun cast of characters, I guess. Uh, but everyone just seems really bland right now, and um, they're really sticking with a you know sort of like a case of the week format. Uh, so it doesn't, it does, it's not doing a lot to 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 you know tie in with these movies. Except it did, they did do a Thor episode, which was kind of cool, and uh, Samuel Jackson showed up for the very last scene of. Um, the second or third episode, and that was really, really great. Um, so I, that's why I'm not totally down on Agents of Shield. Although I, I've fallen behind a few episodes, I don't know if I'll catch up. I might have given up on it. Um, I want to believe that the cast is talented enough and the characters are funny enough that it could all turn out well. All they got to do is throw in some more cameos and some more, like, minor superheroes, and I think that could save it. Yeah. I mean, like, what's Black Panther doing, that superhero? He was on the Avengers. Is he ever going to be in anything? Or Vision, maybe? Vision. Vision's really cool. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Thumbs up there. Ghost Robots. Always neat. Uh, another Ghost t- Robots? That's what Vision is. No. He's, he's an Avenger who dies, and then they put his soul into a robot. This is his brain. His brain. But he has, like, ghost kind of powers. He can phase through walls and stuff. I'm surprised he hasn't, they haven't put him in a movie. He's, I thought, I thought well, one of the, the cooler characters. The, the hype was that's what Coulson would become. They would, put, they would make Coulson into Vision. And no. That's not what they did. That's they just they did. revived him. Um, the next up is Drunk History. Um, you guys have seen a little of this, right? Seen all of it? Yeah, like an episode or two. What do you, what do you think? I love it. Yeah? Did you ever watch... Um, I mean, I know you watched the, the Drunk History bits they did on the website. Yeah. Um, but did you ever watch any of the bits from the Funny or Die TV show that was on HBO for a few years? No, I didn't. Um, I'm not sure if those were not on the website. I don't think they were. I think they were just on the HBO um, you series. Know, I didn't see those. Um, and I thought th- those never hit me as, as hard as, as the original web ones did. So I was kind of worried about this show when it came out, um, but I kind of like that they chose this weird format of like just telling stories about historical figures in a specific city. Mm-hmm. I like seeing them get out and interact with people. Yeah, um, I like getting to know Derek Waters a little bit because that was always the name attached to these, but I never really knew who that was. Um, but for a, a series that started out on the web so riotously funny, I, I feel like I've never laughed that hard at anything on this show. Not not as hard as the ghost of Stonewall Jackson. <laughs> no, okay, we're just gonna. I'm not gonna say what that is a spoiler. <laughs> Leave it. But to I don't. I don't know. I, I 
I, like I, I was consistently laughing at, at a, at that show. You know what's not on this list? Hmm. It should be. Oh. Hmm. Of course, I'm on the spot now, so I can't remember the name. <laughs> <laughs> remember that show, the guy with the small businesses and stuff. Guy with the small business. What kind of show is it? It's on Comedy Central. He helps small businesses. Nathan for you. Yeah, Nathan for you. Oh yeah, that show's great. What are you talking okay. about? That was yeah, great. Yeah, never mind. It was great. I, I only saw one episode. It was brilliant. <laughs> oh, you should watch the whole thing. Is it, it is really gone? good. I, I always forget I that Molly pleases. Yeah, it's coming back. I always forget Molly pleases awards. I'm not supposed to like it that much. Yeah, yeah. I'm supposed to be okay with it. <laughs> we have our best of TV yeah. podcast we coming up in a week. That. Yeah, oh, is that the next one? I think so. Oh man, I hope so. Yeah, but, I guess I'm prepared. Um, I, don't know. I guess if, if you if the consensus is that drunk history isn't as good, I re- I enjoyed it a lot. But I enjoyed it enough to watch the whole season, mm-hmm. which Agents of Shield wasn't that good. Um, which maybe it makes it a better candidate. I don't know. Futurama ended this year to uh, some fanfare, but not much. I mean, uh, I I watched the last season and it was it wasn't bad. It was good. I mean. It wasn't great. I wouldn't like go out of my way to recommend it to people, but it was kind of nice to see Futurama still around in some form and not being completely terrible. And mm-hmm. then to see the series finale and be like, okay, I'll take it. I liked that they had kind of done two real finales already, yeah. at least two. Um, so this time they they had much less reason to like try to end the story, even mm-hmm. though there wasn't much of a story. Uh, and they just went with a sort of sentimental... Yeah, character-driven, new small-scale s- kind of. And I, I appreciated that, going for a more emotional kind of... I, I thought it was good. Uh, and the show, I think, in its latter seasons, definitely got carried away with coming up with elaborate sci-fi plots. Oh, so it got really complicated in- Instead of just making jokes. Um, but they, they used an elaborate sci-fi plot to tell a good story in that last episode. And I thought it was really nice of uh, Comedy Central to air the first episode. Right after, right the after, yeah. If you know how that one, the series finale ends, it's pretty appropriate. But um, uh, I, I don't know. I might like it just a little more. There's a couple episodes. There's or a, a couple moments. I feel like there was a pretty rough stretch towards the end of the season. Yeah, but there was some good, like you know, moments. Like there. the origin story of Bender's shiny metal ass is an episode that never needed to happen. No. It's okay. Uh, it's hard new- to come up with all those episodes. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it, there's been a lot, and uh, you know, it's it's I, that's kind of for me why I'm, I, it's kind of more than mildly pleasing. It's just like what a miracle that this show went from its you know what was it three seasons before it got originally canceled, three. and then it, it, it made it this far, and that's pretty cool. Um, the newsroom I think got better this year. Uh, it was I believe it was eligible last year but it was dismissed for being too disappointing uh <laughs> for a mildly pleased award uh I th- and i feel like they got a lot closer this year to to that nice mildly pleasing <laughs> benchmark yeah, that's still not much of a recommendation but like actually like you should watch this show. um yeah and that's because for somehow maybe he's always been terrible but in this series aaron sorkin uh, and his other writers, who I'm sure he just yells at until they do exactly what he wants, uh, are writing like the worst romantic plots I've ever seen. Just it's it's 
just terrible will they won't they love triangle nonsense uh, that I can't imagine anyone cares about. Surrounded by you know the fact that these are characters that have a job that that the show presents as the most important job in the entire world, and that they all take really seriously and they're all really good at. Um, and when they when they do episodes that are just focused on them making the show and reporting the news, uh, it's pretty good. It's just when they get sidetracked in their goofy hijinks and their terrible romance, it's, it's really hard to watch. And also, uh, they were really smart. They made up a story this year as like their central like story that they were working on so that they could actually... Because otherwise all the other plots are based around news stories that happened two years ago. There are news stories that actually happened... So they, the problem is, like they're like, we got to break this story. It's going to change the world. But obviously, like them breaking the story can't change the world because it already happened in the real world, and we already know how it plays out. Mm-hmm. It's, it's weird. It's, it's problematic. Do you think it would be better if they just went with made-up news stories that are it like would, similar to things that happened? It in would real be life? so much better. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, the West Wing never had to deal with like real issues going on in the world, just with what with. What if we had the greatest president of all time as president? Um, <laughs> yep, we'll never have to deal with that, <laughs> unfortunately. Aww. Now I'm sad. Um, and finally, uh, Whose Line Is Anyway came back this year. I think it hasn't been canceled yet. Um, it was okay. Uh, I, I, mean, I know I forced Colin into watching some. I watched quite a few, and I like watching those guys. Yeah. Since I've done improv in real life, and those guys are very skilled at it. Mm-hmm. It's just the problem is I like to watch those guys because they've been doing it for like 30 years, and they're pros. But they decided to add in this element of bringing on ce- celebrity guests. I, w- I would use those terms celebrity very loosely and have them act in the scenes while you know one of the improvisers will just sit in the back mm-hmm. and not do anything. I mean, it's already a 20-minute show that's not that and long. And they usually give the celebrities two sketches of, or, yeah. or whatever they're called, segments. Games. Games. Um, and you only get, what, like six maybe in an episode? So mm-hmm. they're there for like a third of the show. What kind of, like, what kind of celebrities? They had the guy from Glee, I remember. Yeah, oh, God. He was like wheelchair guy one of the Glee. better ones because he's actually an actor. I remember they had Olympic divers on mm-hmm. it and they were wearing their bathing suits <laughs> during just, all the improv like suits. Like anybody. Just just anybody. Like Mark Cuban or something. No, that'd be awesome. Yeah. Well, I remember he was on that other show that were like they had like they'd improvise someone's life. Yeah. Oh, so that's the, there's something about being back in the Who's Line set. Uh, with these people, even though it's Aisha Tyler and not Drew Carey. And Aisha Tyler, uh, you know, she's fine. She's She doesn't have the, the charisma of Drew Carey. Uh, I think she has the charisma. She just, she's not as fun to make fun of. Yeah. She's, she's got a, too much going yeah, Drew on. Drew Carey's an easy target. He's a fat white guy. It's the <laughs> easiest target you could ask for. Um, but there's just something about Because I've, I've watched uh, the... Improvaganza or whatever it was called. I watched the Green Screen Challenge. I watched the show they had on the Game Show Network. And I liked all of them, but none of them feel as right as Whose Line does, even though it's different now. And, and, and you know, Aisha's there, and they're all hella old now. <laughs> uh, it just it feels good. It feels familiar and safe. And, and I, like, I like being there. Yeah, but it's different. I mean, 
I mean, that's always my favorite improv is the stuff that isn't as complicated. They don't have green screens mm-hmm. and shit. Because, I mean, I've been doing improv at the UCB where it's even more simplified than it is on Whose Line Is It Anyways. But the thing is, uh, improv, I don't know. It's a tricky sell on TV. It works better live. But, uh, you know, if there are any any guys that can make it work on TV, it's those guys. Just Not Olympic have... divers. <laughs> <laughs> Just got to have synergy, you know? That was another thing. They did, they've they also done some segments like work your favorite ABC family sitcoms <laughs> into – like make fun of them. But, yeah, that's but right. still, they, they would do improv scenes around um, – I don't even know. Well, it's on the like, CW, this, oh, right? This, uh, like, whatever channel it is. Yeah. Like do your favorite secrets of a pregnant teenager <laughs> jokes. Yeah. That sounds good. Uh, okay. <laughs> so we have to pick one. Do any of you guys have a strong opinion? I'm the only one who's seen all five shows. Well, strong opinion is a bad word. What do you think? What's your pick? Um, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. is the only one I gave up on. So do you guys think that's a little too disappointing? Yeah. Sounds like it. Yeah, it's got to be something that's good enough to capture your attention for like a long time. Okay, well, I would but say not good enough to you know. I would say that that Shield and the newsroom, they're just not there yet. They're still on the sad side of the pleasure pleasure dome. The pleasure dome. <laughs> yes. I was gonna go with like a scale or a meter. <laughs> the pleasure the dome. Pleasure dome. Is that a Rush reference? A rush reference? I hope so. I'm pretty sure. An accidental rush reference. Dun, 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 the pleasure dome. Do the pleasure dome. I'm pretty sure that's on. Uh, I will go. And okay, okay. So, so I, I think I would go Futurama because I, I think I like Drunk History and and Who's Line a little more. It's fine with me. Sure. And Futurama's the last chance to win that uh, mildly pleased. Oh award. yeah, there you go. Nice send off. <laughs> um. Okay. Now shit's going to start getting even more real. Uh, we're going to talk about the most mildly pleasing album of 2013. Especially because we're opening it with such a controversial choice. I know. I'm a little scared to say it, guys. Uh, but our first nominee is Reflector by Arcade Fire. There's so much build-up to this. And I feel like they went on all these shows... For it, and I was excited. Do you, do you remember at first they put out this interactive video where you like film your computer with your phone and you get to hear a clip of the song? I, I actually that. did it, and I was like, uh, I think my phone's broken, so I just turned it off. <laughs> it was really weird, but yeah, a lot of hype. And then it comes out, and it's not bad, but there's there's something about it. I don't know. I mean, I like a lot of songs. But they always go on too long, and I'm yet to finish the entire album. Oh, man. It's it's too long. It doesn't need to be that long. And there's a lot of weird experimental stuff on it that it doesn't need either. Like, I feel like they're, they're just like, well, we're Arcade Fire. We can do anything, and it's cool, and it'll be a masterpiece. And I feel like everyone's like, oh, it's a masterpiece. But I'm like, I don't know. I'm not buying into all that. I feel like you got to cut back a little. The thing they went for... It feels a bit forced to me. I don't go to the arcade fire wanting like dance infused music. I want some sincerity. I feel a bit 
I don't know. I feel a bit of a disconnect to what they tried to do here. Well, and this is also the one where they're talking more about, like, the realities of the industry and celebrity. And, I mean, when you go back to funeral, it's just like, what's it like to grow up and be a person and be afraid to die? And that's really different from, like, dealing with people who are trying to take advantage of your fame uh, sure, it's more relatable. It's more and then there's the I feel like all of their albums are much more about human emotions than yeah. yeah this one seems sort of cold. Yeah. Um, and, and it kind of was so excited because they got a Mr. LCD sound system to produce it, right? Yeah, James Murphy, who I think he also produced a song or two on the new Yeah Yeah Yeahs album. <sighs> So I don't know, Mr. Murphy. I kind of wish you'd go back to making music. I don't know if producing is... is... God, I miss LCD sound system. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> uh, but I, I, you know, I've loved every Arcade Fire album, all, all three of them up until this point. Yeah, me too. Um, and so I just beat my head against Reflector for months hoping that suddenly it would all click and I would just love this album. Like, you know, I feel like Pitchfork and, and AV Club and, and whatever other music review websites there are, probably probably Rolling Stone. I don't yeah, know. they liked it. They all were really I don't positive. know if AV Club liked it. It wasn't, I don't think all critics went for it, but the ones that did, like, really went yeah, for it. Yeah, and I, I just I couldn't get there, man. I feel like even the songs I liked would go on too long or just have a weird part or something. And maybe this is, isn't a band that should be doing a, a double album. It's just too much. Too much indulgence. Mm-hmm. Nancy, your thoughts? Mm-hmm. Uh, next on our list is Adams for Peace's Amok. Uh, Adams for Peace being a sort of super group. They say it's a super group. Aside from Tom York and Flea, I don't think anyone else in it is that exciting. Nigel Godrick, he's in there I too. Know him. Producer. And then two other guys who are like touring musicians for like Chili Peppers. So it's like, give a shit. And they just play like <laughs> tape loops or something. But the exciting thing about, I mean, before this came out, I was like, wow, Flea and Tom York are going to do an album. What's that going to sound like? And then it comes out. And there's the, really not a whole lot of funky bass or anything on it. It just sounds like a bunch of beeps and boops. It just sounds like the sequel to Tom York's last solo album. Um, it, it doesn't feel like a band. It's like, well, where are the other guys? What do they do? Are they just like pressing a button on a laptop or they just kind of walk out of the room? It's like, it doesn't feel that collaborative. I mean, the songs themselves, I think, are okay. I don't mm-hmm. know if there's any songs that are amazing. There's some song, definitely some songs that are good. But I just feel like it, it was kind of a letdown. You're getting all these people together and you pretty much just let Tom York do everything. I was listening to uh, KEXP, the the like cool local radio station here, uh, during one of their rare chances they weren't just playing bizarre world music or country music, um, and they played an Adam for Peace track, and I was okay with it. Um, but then uh, the the DJ came on, he was like, "You could totally hear like Flea in that, right? Like the bass part was so sweet." And I realized I like didn't even remember hearing the bass in the song. <laughs> Uh, and and that's when my my disconnect from a muck started to happen. Was like I I, I I didn't like it as much, but I still felt like I liked it a lot. And then Tom York for some reason decided to pull all of his solo stuff and any of his non Radiohead stuff off RDO and other streaming services. Like it all just disappeared. So I kind of just 
drop this this then. That was the uh, the final nail in the coffin for me. Yeah, it's uh, it's good, but it's a letdown because it seemed like it could have been so much more. Could have been so much more. Uh, another one that, that you could you could you could really believe in it, but it just didn't get there was uh, "Right Thoughts, Right Words, Right Action" by Franz Ferdinand. Um, some people really like this, right? Yeah, I mean, when that song came out, it sounded more like the first Franz Ferdinand like album than maybe the last album did. Cause like that one came out and it was kind of low key, and there's a lot of long longer songs that didn't really grab people. So this one, it was really short and punchy. People thought it'd be returned to form. And the songs were fine. There wasn't really a lot of, like, even the main single was okay. But there's there's nothing really on there that really jumped out at you. It's like they can't really write a really good hit song anymore. Mm-hmm. But they can write a lot of okay songs. <laughs> and they're funky and danceable, I suppose. Mm. It just, like, I feel like Friends Fernand is one of those bands, like, I, it's, it's, I'm done with it. I can pass it on to the next generation and see if they enjoy it. You know, it's like, it's a band I liked in high school or something, but I've outgrown it, you know. It was good for 2004, but it just doesn't. It doesn't resonate with me anymore. And that's interesting to me because it seems like you are one to hold on to those kind of bands. Not so much anymore. I don't really like as many bands as I did in high school. Like, that's definitely like like the last year or so. I'm like, you know, I don't really like any of those bands. (laughs) (laughs) Like, I I respect that. Because I remember like the last Killers album. I don't even remember what year. That was last year. I think it was last year. That was last year. And like that was so boring to me. I was like, well, then I'm done. The, the, the new, the younger generation can have it. Whoever likes them now, it's like my time. It's time for me to gracefully step aside. <laughs> so honorable. And that's kind of how I felt about this one. I really wanted to like it, but like I was saying, it just doesn't connect with it anymore. It mm-hmm. doesn't make sense to me. Yeah, me neither. Um, I, like when I listened to it, I couldn't really complain about it. Mm-hmm. Like it doesn't, it doesn't seem bad. Um, but I just kind of like you, I actually, I really remember liking the second album a lot too. Um, well, it came so like, it came like a year after that yeah. one. So you're still like, oh yeah, what's, what are they going to do next? Cause um, now there's been all this time to be like, contemplate like, eh, I don't know yeah. about these guys. Am I too mature for these guys at this point? It's like they say, you can never go home again. So sad. Like that Bon Jovi song. <laughs> <laughs> no, you can't. Um, how about the new Paul McCartney album? It's funny when I put this on here, I was like, "Yeah, it's okay," but I, it, it's it's very slowly growing on me. Uh oh. Yes. <laughs> Maybe it'll take like another year or something. I don't know. It's not that bad. It's just or that great, even I don't know. But it's it's not necessary. You know, he's done so much. I mean, he's not going to stop. It, but it's just like, oh, it's another thing I have to listen to. <laughs> There's a lot of mixed emotions because I really liked the single, even though I feel like there's a, a, a time on YouTube where they play it before every single YouTube music video or, or I don't know. I just saw it a lot, like an ad for it, and it played his song, which is also called New. And that song's pretty good. It's got like a bouncy harpsichord sound. It's like, oh, it's kind of Beatlesy. And some of the other songs are okay. It got a lot of really good reviews, so I've been trying to give it more of a chance. And I'm like, yeah, yeah okay. But at the same time, I mean, I don't know what else Paul McCartney can do. He's done so much already. Does he need to do any more? How deep is your McCartney solo knowledge? I mean, I've heard a lot of them. Like more than 10 albums? More than 10. Less than 10? 
I've probably heard at t- I've probably ten solo albums. Okay, if there's that many, I don't know. I feel like I've heard most of them. Yeah, because I've heard some ones that like, why would you listen to that? Like, you don't have anything better to do. Like his classical <laughs> music album. No, I would you listen, listen to that. that. <laughs> but no, like Pipes of Peace or something, or like Flaming Pie. Like, no, there's no, there's no need to listen to those. <laughs> he just made them for himself, basically. Yeah, I mean, if you, if it's something that you like to do as a musician making music, and you got millions and millions of dollars. Yeah, and you've already. Done what you need to do, popular, you know, music-wise. Why not just have fun, put it out? I guess. I just don't like. Oh, I have. I got. I feel like as a Beatles fan, I gotta go check this out now. Mm-hmm. But it's okay. Our final nominee is Bankrupt, uh, the new Phoenix album, uh, and uh, I'm not alone. I don't think in saying that after Wolfgang Amadeus Phoenix came out. Like I got into a serious Phoenix thing. I went back and listened to all their albums. It all, it all kind of culminated in us seeing them live, and it was like one of the, my favorite concerts I've ever been to. Um, and I think that that built up way too high expectations for me for for Bankrupt. Um, it's been a couple of years since Wolfgang Amadeus Phoenix came out, and uh, and when they finally put out their first track, Entertainment. I was a little skeptical about it at first, but over time it grew on me, and I got really excited about the album again. And then I, I, nothing on the album was even close to as good as that one song. and It, it bummed me out. But maybe there's a chance that I was just, it's just hype killed it for me, and, and maybe now that I've been disappointed by it, I can come back to it and learn to love it for what it is. I don't know. I'm afraid this is one of those bands that's going to get slightly bigger and bigger because like they they were playing didn't they play key arena they're deck the hall ball i guess that's not like it's not like they were the headliners of that but i feel like they're getting slightly more popular yet my interest is waning it's like the killers effect where it's like they're getting bigger and bigger but my i feel like i'm like having less of a connection the music's getting really polished and really big so i'm afraid that it's gonna the next album just gonna be the same stuff or maybe it's gonna be even bigger more polished for the radio, and then I'm like, oh, I don't need that anymore. I mean, like, I like the old stuff. They just need like, to write more car commercial songs. Everything will be all right. I don't know if I see that happening. I feel like this album wasn't that big of a deal compared to their last one, which kind of it coincided. Their sort of artistic peak and popularity sort of actually happened in a big way. I don't. I feel like they're getting more attention for a lesser album, though. So that's why I'm worried what could happen. Not to, you know, that's just speculation, though. Uh, my policy is always three albums. I'll give I'll give any band three albums oh, yeah. to, to win well, me back. Well, it's not bad. It's it's just it's for me to step in the wrong. I think direction. it's more like two for me. <laughs> two. Yeah. Well, I guess good. I don't have as much loyalty, and I don't listen to as many tons of new albums per year as you do. You gotta get on the streaming service bandwagon, man. I do. I use Spotify now. Oh, yeah? Yeah, because, you know, it's basically free on your computer. You just have to listen to a commercial every once in a while. Also, it's because I started doing, you know, the posts of of the people's albums, which are not always the best (laughs) albums that I have to write about. So I'd rather just not have to go to the trouble of downloading them. All right. So, Nancy, you are our nonpartisan audience member. You've heard us Make a pitch for each of these five albums. What was the vibe you what, got? What would you Which say is the most mild vibe? Yeah. I don't really 
they all sounded pretty disappointing. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So for positive, I'd probably go Arcade Fire, maybe. I think that's a good choice. I think it's because it's slightly controversial, too. Yeah, it's controversial. Just ignore guns. Okay. There's this like is just some good, good stuff on there. Oh, yes. Totally. Well, that's what I mean. Like, I yeah, feel like yeah. I feel like you guys liked that one the most out of these. Besides for John maybe starting to like the new Pop McCartney album too much. <laughs> but Arcade Fire is a good choice. Let's go with Arcade Fire. Man, we're not really having that much debate here. I like it. <laughs> well, Just wait. Yeah, just wait for this category. <laughs> um, the most mildly pleasing song of the year. Um, I'm gonna. I haven't heard all these songs, so I'm gonna need Sean to sing them to me. I can't sing you th- even this very first one. I've never heard it, or if I have heard, I don't remember it. You ever see those Bud Light Platinum commercials? I don't know. Sing it to me. There's no words. There's no words. <laughs> no, that's me singing with no words because I don't know them. Oh, okay. Uh, oh, sounds cool. Yeah, it sounds sort of. Yeah, okay. I think I know what you're talking about. This is suit and tie, a Justin Timberlake song from his massively critically acclaimed uh, album this year. Oh yeah, ah, that was pretty critically acclaimed. I don't know if it wasn't that high on a lot of end of the year lists, but it was on a lot of lists. And then he came out with a volume two, and then everybody's like, "No, no. this is a bad idea. You shouldn't have done this. <laughs> you should have just done volume one. Just keep acting, man." But I like that one part of Suit and Tie that's in the commercials. Yeah, like the main part. The main that's part. a good song in itself. I don't really like the intro where he's just like, "Now I'm a suit and tie." That part is kind of dumb. Seven minutes long. Or something. Yeah, there's Way also a part long. where Jay Z comes in for no reason. That part of the song's <laughs> totally not necessary at all. The song. Yeah, I think that's why I'd say this is a very mildly pleasing song because like the main chunk of the song's good. There are some other parts that are not at all needed. Okay. It sounds mildly pleasing to me. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, I can see how it's possible for you not to hear this one. Um, next is Super Soaker by Kings of Leon. Is this the one that's like, <laughs> Where he's like singing to I'm the never riff. Gonna yeah, that's it. <laughs> <laughs> Like, because it was enough to get me to check out the new one, which I didn't think I was going to. And, like, I was like, this is all right. This sounds a little more, I think, what I want. And then the album, like, sucks so, so much. <laughs> so I don't know if it's that whole experience that brings it down. Maybe it is an okay song. Sean, you vaguely know the melody. Yeah. What do you think of it? Uh, I hear it on the radio, and I'm like, all right, this is way better than some of the other songs I hear on the radio. So It's way better than every other Kings of Leon song I've heard recently that they've used yeah. for this. Like, I feel like there's like, well, here's the new ballad. And it's like, this sucks so bad. It's like, it needs a ballad, so we're going to pretend this is a hit. <laughs> but uh, the big Super Soaker, I liked okay. Uh, maybe I like it too much because it was enough for me to like check it out. Yeah, maybe that... It, it does... It, it reminds me of old Kings of Leon. The Kings of Leon I liked. Uh, so maybe that's trouble. Maybe that's trouble for this list we're making. Um... Next song is probably the song I've heard more than any other song this whole year. Uh, you know this one, AZ? You want to sing it? I do. So that's Macklemore <laughs> and Ryan Lewis's. It's the one from the Grudge Match trailer. Can't hold us. And the Jobs trailer. Mm-hmm. All uh, the other trailers. Of course, big year trailers. for Macklemore. Huge year for Macklemore. Uh, 
with with this being a hit and also um it's okay to be gay yeah it's okay to be gay <laughs> Ugh, I hate that the song nursery so rhyme much. he put out you hate gay people john <laughs> don't hate gay people i hate that song <laughs> But I, re- I remember reading some Twitter thing about s- some gay rapper in New York came out and was like, fuck Macklemore, because <laughs> he's basically profiting off gay rights. <laughs> yeah. Um, I don't know. I, I don't think it's that offensive because, uh, I mean, that you do hear, at least you did hear that in in rap more than anywhere else there's, there seem to be more homophobic lyrics yeah. um except for maybe country i mean i have no idea what's going on over there well they're not they're worried about their trucks and stuff trucks, they just act like trucks and guns they just act like <laughs> gay people don't exist, exist. yeah <laughs> um but i think you know can't hold us out of the three signal singles that were kind of huge this year, this is the one I feel like is the most acceptable. It's just kind of a catchy dance song. Yeah. Thrift Shop was the one that put him on the map, and that song is just really obnoxious. I, I like that, that the the loop. I don't like anything else about it. The music. Wait, the instrument. Okay. Which I first heard. What was it? The pain and, and gain, gain. yeah, that's probably why that song seems even more obnoxious in my mind because I re- <laughs> relate to that movie. The kind of people that love that song are the kind of people that you're prone, you get, you gotta hate. <laughs> <laughs> like at least can't hold us has that piano part, dun, dun, which is good. Dun, dun, dun. A little bit. Yeah, I get behind can't hold us, I guess, uh, more than those other two certainly. I definitely hear it way too much, and that makes me kind of hate it. <laughs> I don't even know. And like, they also I can play it remember during... like Macklemore's part. I can only remember the singing part. He raps kind of fast. Yeah. yeah, it's 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 all right. I don't think anything's wrong with this song. I also feel like they use it in a ton of Seahawks promotional material. They use it promoting anything. <laughs> they could probably use it for like Ritz crackers. <laughs> <laughs> the flavor can't hold us. Um, this next one is one I hear on the radio all the time. Um, and that's that's why it really bothers me. Uh, it's, it's Hurricane by I think it's Ms. Mister. I think you're right. Why is it capitalized and there are no periods? Because I just copied it off Wikipedia and that's how it was. No. Uh, or maybe it was off YouTube. I don't know. Um, this was one I, I like heard on the radio the first time. I was like, all right, this is like okay. It's, at least it gives me a break from thrift shop. Um, <laughs> Because radio experiences sound so terrible. I, I really, I don't know what to do on the radio. Uh, like, I, I, I don't like going to the trouble of getting my phone out and syncing up and choosing a song. For you know, I'm usually in the car from what maybe 15 minutes tops, so I'd, I'm fine just hitting the radio. But Hurricane is on every single from about September to now. Anytime I turn on the radio. Hurricane will come up. I've had it come up twice in one like half an hour drive. It it is just I don't know if it's being massively requested um, or if people just love it so much that they ha- they know they have to get it on there all the time. Um, but this has come like right after one oh seven seven the end made their like we've listened to all your feedback and we're gonna like change up and play way more songs and play more new music for people. And now it's it's like right back to 
people listen to Hurricane over and over and over and over. Um, but as much as I'm complaining about it, I don't. It's, it's probably it's fine. Like you guys have heard it, right? It's, it's just, just like boring. Yeah, it's just. <laughs> it doesn't go anywhere. It always yeah. kind of disappoints me because when it comes in, it has like the industrial beat and like the weird mm-hmm. sound. I'm like, oh, this is cool. This is going to be like, what, like Trent Reznor or something? What is this going to be? And then it comes in and it's something way more just low key and mellow. And I'm like, you know, I don't think I've ever made it the whole way through. I always change it, but it is on a lot. I didn't even realize what it was. I've never even cared to even like <laughs> think about it. Uh, and our, our final nominee is controversial if you ask me it's it's blurred lines by robin thick uh, sing it oh god <laughs> <laughs> i know you want it yeah oh it's that it's the robin thick song i know Thicke you song. want it okay is he, is he <laughs> saying blurred lines that's the thing i couldn't remember what he's saying <laughs> i know you want it so i first heard this song when someone on Facebook said this is the most sexist music video of all time. And that's because in the music video, um, or at least in the one I saw, I guess there's probably another one because there's a lot of nudity in the one I saw. It's Robin Thicke like, and some other guy. I don't even know who the other guy is. Justin Timberlake, wasn't it? No, no, no. It's no. Pharrell. Pharrell. <laughs> It'd be weird if he invited the guy that he's basically ripping off with his music. It's Pharrell, right? Yeah, it's Pharrell. They're just like standing there in suits looking cool. And then naked models like prance around yeah. and entertain them. Well, So I saw the original mu- or like the actual TV version first. It's basically the same thing except they're clothed. Barely. Oh, really? And, but, but I was at my – I was visiting um, uh, Arizona – and I was at my, one of my friend's house, and her boyfriend was like, Hey, dude, have you seen this video? And I was like, uh, no. And so she, he showed me. He's like, oh, check out these boobs, man. <laughs> oh, God. And I was just sitting there like, oh, yeah, that's pretty cool. <laughs> <laughs> Did you watch the whole thing? Yeah. And it wasn't just me. It was like me and a couple other guys that I used to work with down there. And, and we're all just sitting there like, and the, and the guy's like, oh, dude, check out all these boobs, man. And, so many boobs. Show me your boobs. I don't know why you would just try to be like, you know, porn exists, right? <laughs> well, I just like I didn't know the guy that well. I didn't want to like. Yeah. I just, I was just, I was just taking it. I was just taking the boobs. Taking the boobs. No, you want it. Uh-huh. Hey. I mean, I guess it's catchy, but I hate everything about it. Yeah. <laughs> like I don't like the song at all, and then seeing that, like I, I, I kind of hate. And then, like, I don't know much about Robin Thicke, but I imagine he had a pretty spoiled upbringing, you know, being the son of the famously successful and wealthy Alan Thicke. Um, and, of course, there was the Miley Cyrus video this year, which, t- to me, was so gross that, that that was never even in contention for a mildly pleasing event of the year. Uh, and he's, like, I guess basically gotten out of that whole thing scot-free, even though that she's, like, doing all the twerking on him. Hey, he is just standing there <laughs> in his Beetlejuice costume. He is getting sued up the yin yang for this song, though, because oh, people really? are saying that it plagiarizes like three Marvin Gaye songs. <laughs> <laughs> Which I feel like if it takes three songs to make a new song, it's different enough, but it's still kind of funny. Yeah. Uh, so this would not be my pick. Yeah. What would be? Uh, I'd probably go between Suit and Tie and Can't Hold Us, I think. 
I think if I'm going to think back to a song I associate with 2013 but don't particularly want to listen to, it's going to be Can't Hold Us by Macklemore. What do you think, Colin? But, it, but is that the definition of mildly pleasing? I don't know, man. Uh, I definitely like Suit and Time more than Can't Hold Us. Like, I really don't like it that much. <laughs> I just put up with it. <laughs> I, I wouldn't go as far as saying I've put up with it. I, I guess I just kind of ignore it at this point. It's just, it's just there. It's just a part of life. And isn't life in itself mildly pleasing? Yeah, that's just me stalling. I don't know. Uh, like, there are no elements of Can't Hold Us that are, are bad. I think there's a lot of... It's perfectly fine. And people like when he raps all fast. And they like a simple chorus that everyone can sing along with and a fun piano part. And they can raise their hands in the air. Yeah. While singing okay. It. So that's the other thing is, and the ceiling can't hold us. I mean, the ceiling doesn't hold up people. I don't understand what this lyric is about. The ceiling should just be up there. You shouldn't be interacting with the ceiling. It can't hold them down. They're smashing so many people in this room. It's like that scene from a night at the opera where they're it's called a metaphor. Sure. Yeah. I don't understand the metaphor at all. <laughs> um, but that's fine. That's fine. Uh, you know. I think it's fine. What do you understand about the metaphor? Okay, I mean? <laughs> okay, okay, okay. Like, yes, I know the literally, the, like, the literally, the ceiling isn't helping you the ceiling, from flying away. The, the ceiling, it's not holding you at all. The ceiling doesn't hold. It's it's holding it covers. I know, but it's holding you if you're trying to rise to the top. What? Like, never mind. What is this song about? I feel like it's about, about like the debt ceiling is what it is. <laughs> <laughs> That's why this is like the song of the year. If you have all the money you save from shopping at the thrift shop. Yeah. Put it together to pieces of the puzzle. It's okay to be gay. I have the glass ceiling. Okay. Um well you've heard my pick. You've heard John's two picks. You can probably go with Mac. Yeah, I'd go with either of those ones, either suit and tie. Since you don't know suit and tie, yeah. just go with do, do you know Suit and Tie? I don't know Suit and Tie. Okay. Uh, let's go Can't Hold Us because of that technicality. Um, and before we, we get into performances, we are going to give out uh, the annual Lifetime Achievement Award. This year we're giving it to uh, to Paul Walker, uh, who had a, uh, a career cut short but full of perfectly fine performances. Um <laughs> I think we, we we basically said anything we, we really needed to say about him when we talked about him on the uh, Why 2013 Has Been a Shitty Year podcast. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, you know, Fast and Furious, that was a series about family. And, you know, he kind, of, kind of started to feel like the family at some point. And Maybe for you, having seen all of the movies. Say it like that's so weird. They're, most of America has seen Have most of the Fast they? and the Furious movies. I don't know. I gotta believe that maybe a few, like a lot of people, checked out around the third and fourth one, oh, and they got back into it. People are so unlucky. Fast and Furious is great now, and uh, you know a, a few other great performances. Um, a failed attempt to break out into bigger starring roles outside of the Fast and Furious franchise. It just didn't work out. Um. Have you seen any of those? No. Not a single one that isn't a Fast and Furious movie? What about Timeline? <laughs> or um, Eight Below? <laughs> <laughs> what is that? 
Is that like dogs? A, like it's, it's yeah, like snow, it's like, it's like a like snow, snow dogs dog. if it was a drama. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he just could never quite hold a a movie as as the star of it. Okay, supporting role, though. Yeah, Pleasantville, some other stuff. Yeah, for a man Taylor made to star in one series of films, uh, did a damn fine job, if you ask me. Rest in peace. Um, so now we're going to talk about uh, movies, and we're going to start by talking about our um, mildly pleasing actresses uh, of the year. Um, our winner from last year is, of course, uh, eligible again this year. It's uh, Gina Carano in a returning mildly pleasing performance, this time in um, Fast 6 or Furious 6 or whatever. The official Fast title, and Furious Six, Fast and Furious Six, whatever the official title of that movie is. Um, once again, she is asked to beat people up on film. Uh, just asked. <laughs> Can you beat up Michelle Rodriguez for us? And she tries her damnedest, and of course, Michelle Rodriguez holds her own. She's got plenty of film fighting experience as well, and that's that's probably my favorite of. So you don't think this film, this uh, fight scene, was scripted? It was just like. <laughs> Dig her down. <laughs> Use your film fighting experience to fight each other. Um, but I'd say at that part of the movie, that that, that fight is the best fight. Um, I don't know about the, the end fight because there's so much going on and uh, so much of it's hilarious. I don't remember any of her other fighting. Just I, I just remember the part where her and... Michelle Rodriguez are fighting in that subway station. Yeah, and that's sweet. That's like the, the best part. Yeah, they're like fighting the down the stairs. Yeah. They're, it's a pretty gnarly fight, too. It's it's nice to see um, a girl fight in a movie that's not like at all like just, just slapping Just a girl fight yelling. in general. Yeah. I mean, you don't see this. Um, but they're, they're like throwing each other into walls and walls are getting broke. It's cool. Is she on the good guy side? Yes. <laughs> not knowing how it ends. Like this, like... Initially, you don't have to. You don't have to spoil anything. I wouldn't care if you did. I'm just saying, in the setup, the basic premise, she's on the good guy side. Yes. Okay. So I don't want to know. I think right. That's where she starts. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I really? How do you not know? It's a yeah, fucking yeah. Fast yeah, yeah, yeah. and Furious yeah, yeah, yeah. movie. Okay. I don't know. I only see it to okay. see shit blow up and muscles get punched into each other. She is working with The Rock at the beginning of the movie. I, I remember do that. Do not yeah. care. Do yeah, not I didn't care. ask her a plot synopsis. <laughs> I just so to she do. and The Rock. They're they're kind of they're kind of neutral parties because uh, they're you know they're buying the law. She just whipped out a jackhammer. <laughs> Being Michael Winslow. <laughs> Turn off Sean's mic. Uh, we should get Michael Winslow to be on our podcast. <laughs> he just why act- can't we just use real sound effects and say it's Michael Winslow? Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's got to like kind of sound like a human voice. All right, we'll just have to get the Michael Winslow soundboard. I'm sure that's out there. Yeah, probably. All right, who's next? Is my mic back on? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so um, we've got both actresses from the Heat. Uh, nominated. Who, who saw the heat? I saw the heat. I like comedies. I was excited for it when I first heard about it, and then the reviews came out, and they're like, I don't know. I, I saw know. every preview, and I was like, this looks awful. Well, it was just the promise of, like, you know, anyone who was working on Bridesmaids to, like, come back and do yeah. some stuff. So that was kind of exciting because that movie was such a success. Anyway, so I was like, well, maybe it'll be good like that. John, you said that Melissa, Melissa McCarthy and Sandra Bullock. 
Both gave such distinct, mildly pleasing performances, they had to remain separate entries on this I, list. I, so, they were just different. So who would you like to address first? That's all I'm, I'm going to ask. We can go with Melissa McCarthy. Melissa McCarthy. She's definitely playing to her comfort zone in this, and where she's just being very loud and violent and like being a funny, fat person, which is kind of disappointing. I'd like to see more range, because I think she is capable of it, but... She is good at what she's given, even if it's not a lot. Even if, like, it'd be funny if you're, like, you're in a car and you have to come out the window. And, like, that is kind of like a lowbrow slapstick. But she still does it oh, well. Oh, like, because like, she's fat, she, like, gets yeah. stuck in the window? Oh, I mean, yeah. there's definitely jokes like that. But I feel like... Winnie the Pooh already did that. I say, listen, my guy, they should, like, Winnie the Pooh. I just feel like she, she makes a lot out of material that's really not that... Which is really okay to begin with. So that's impressive. I guess you could say the same thing for Sandra Bullock. Do, we, do you want to move on to Sandra Bullock or to Colin, do you have one? Uh, I pretty much agree with John. Okay. But I enjoy watching her well, do then, what she does even if it's not anything we haven't seen before. Watch uh, tell us about Sandra then. I think Sandra Bullock, you don't see her do too many comedy type roles um i mean she's basically playing the straight woman i think she does a a solid job of it she still gets laughs yeah she gets a couple laughs in like a movie that's just okay and to be like the more serious character and to still get laughs just because you're just skilled at what you do so yeah i mean she gives definitely the, the more surprising performance since she doesn't do movies like this can I ask a question? Uh, yeah. In the trailer, uh, they present Sandra Bullock as being like a badass. Is she a cop or an FBI agent? Well, she's like an FBI agent, and then she goes to work with some police, if I recall correctly. Uh, but anyway, mm-hmm. she's like totally a badass um, in the trailer. She's not necessarily a badass as much as she's just really good at her job. Mm-hmm. Um, like she's a really great detective. But then at the end of the trailer, she cuts her hand a little bit, and she bleeds, and she really, really freaks out. How uh, does the movie handle that, like, she's, like, a really good cop, but she can't handle, like, a, a small flesh wound? Well, first of all, that small flesh wound, if you recall in the trailer, was them with two bottles and then, like, slamming them together. And then her hand is, like, like she's, she's got a cut hand and, like, alcohol on it. Like, that would hurt. Like, that, mm-hmm. I wouldn't say that's a small mm-hmm. flesh wound. Well, also, it, I believe they're the pretty drunk at that point, so they would be overreacting to something like that happening. I mean, I think the thing is, she's a good... good good detective good agent but when it comes to more violent extreme stuff she's not really a tough she girl. struggles with that that's more melissa mccarthy's thing okay. you know she's like she'll like throw a guy off of a building or something you know so okay okay opposites. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah see the vibe the vibe i got from the trailer was like she, she's like really good but she like doesn't know the streets and melissa mccarthy's like really that's bad exactly but she it. knows the streets um but I, I i get it now i think i understand that moment a little more um i didn't mean to check out the heat uh, it's just not going to happen, though. Sorry. It's a good HBO movie if you're not doing anything. Yeah, maybe... Uh, get a couple laughs out of it. Maybe we'll, it'll come on during a baseball game and I can switch during the commercials. Yeah, that, that's really the right situation to be watching part of the heat. I saw John Carter. Um, <laughs> how about Rooney Mara in Ain't Them Body Saints? The little indie movie that we saw. The only people. As my lone SIF experience this year. Uh, I put her on the list... Because um, the movie has two pretty good performances from the, the, the two lead actors, Casey Affleck and Ben Foster. Um, and it's another goddamn love triangle movie, though, where she's like the 
the like one light in both of these people's lives and they just want to be with her and make her happy uh and then she is presented as as such a a boring person she's you know like i guess she like nature and stuff and she likes her little kid and like both these guys like throw their lives away for her uh pretty literally and uh I'm just, she, I don't know if it was her performance or the material she was given but I was just like I did not understand why like she is just the greatest one and she's those two guys aren't even the only ones in the movie there's a, there are other characters who are like you got to protect that woman she's so great like Keith Carradine like Keith Carradine <laughs> Keith Carradine will fuck you up if you don't protect that woman yeah, I'll agree with you. I remember so little of this performance <laughs> at this point. Yeah, she's like hanging out with her kid and mm-hmm. just like, um, Even though everything's her goddamn fault. Yeah. It's a good point. Let's <laughs> move on. <laughs> um, no one saw it, them body saints. No. Our, our final nominee, another movie that not so many people saw, uh, is all the women in Spring Breakers. I just went, well, the four main cast members. You got Selena Gomez, Vanessa Hudgens, and two other people that I can't remember. And what I found interesting about this movie is you wouldn't normally expect to see those kind of movie, those kind of people in a Harmony Korean movie. I mean, it's weird that a Harmony Korean movie is even like slightly more mainstream like this and has James Franco because he's done such bizarre indie weird stuff. And then he gets like Disney Channel people in it. but And they're good, but they all kind of blur together. They're all kind of the same character. Like I, I really admire that they're doing something so bold. You know, they're like getting naked and they're doing drugs and you know this could really hurt their images. You know, you know in real life, but they're doing this kind of performance. But it's only an okay performance. I mean, the more impressive thing about this movie is probably James Franco being really, really weird, like hick rapper named Alien. Like that's a <laughs> bizarre performance. That is reason enough to check out this movie. And it's an all right movie. Uh, very dark, um, and I liked it okay. But the, uh, the the cast members, yeah, like I said, I was impressed that these people were in this, and they're giving it. They're all, I suppose, but there just wasn't that much to work with. Maybe mm-hmm. I don't know. So that's that's my two cents. Didn't see it. Oh, not even Colin thought. No, I just assumed at least Colin thought. I was like. It's one I've always like meant to get around to. Over the if course it's one of the you're year. interested in seeing, I think you would. You, like, there's definitely you should check it out because it is it is unusual. Okay. Well, John, it sounds like you're our expert on uh, actresses this year. Which way do you think we should go? Or, or, or we could also throw it at Nancy because he's again in the case where he hasn't seen any of these. He could just go off what we said. What? <laughs> Which one do you think? You, vibe you, you got that was the most mildly pleasing. I mean, it sounds like you guys like the heat, like it's your favorite movie of all time. <laughs> I didn't really like. Long I liked the performances. I didn't, I didn't like anything <laughs> yeah. else about it. Really, we told Sean the right situation to watch is on HBO when you're switching between the football game. But I would definitely be leaning towards the heat. Yeah. The question what? is, which performance would you lean towards? I guess I would. I would. Ju- I would go with Melissa McCarthy. The yeah, uh, just because she's kind of just doing her regular shtick that she usually does. And actually, though. Sandra Bullock, I would say, is maybe a little bit better than uh, mildly pleasing in this. I 
think I can because to that. do that kind of that kind of straight man role and actually give it some personality and make it kind of funny at the same time, I think she did a pretty good job of that. I agree. All right, uh, let's go with that. Congratulations, uh, Mel Mac. You are the winner of our mildly pleasing actress of the year. Now, Mr. Sean Lemmy, king of the nicknames, coming in clutch. Now for uh, the mildly pleasing actor of the year, uh, and it's, it's it's heated this year, guys. Our first nominee, Henry Cavill. God, he's just oh, so muscular and hairy. I think he thought his muscles would do the acting. For oh God, he, he's got he's got some chest hair coming out of the top oh, of Superman. I, I, that was my favorite part about. <laughs> Superman was he was super hairy, super hairy. Was like, that was such an interesting twist. So the big. His well, muscles, you know, it just man. gives hope to the hairy guys out there. You know? Good for them. This is not. This is not <laughs> how you describe an acting performance. You're just describing his physical appearance. Oh god, he's so buff. <laughs> like, like no, this performance is terrible. I thought this was not good. Like, when did you see it? You finally? I saw it? it like a couple weeks ago. Aside from the fact that he is attractive, he has nothing going for him. He has no charisma. He's the most boring person I've ever seen, and I really do think he's the worst Superman yet. <laughs> Yeah, but remember when he takes his shirt off and he's... <laughs> I don't care about when he takes his shirt off, man. I mean, there, there's so many buff actors out there. No, I thought it was pretty disappointing. Uh, I mean, yeah, if you want to make me yell at Man of Steel again, um, you know, Superman has got to exude hope and charisma and just be this, like, the number one person in the world you want to be around. And Henry Cavill has none of that, um... I wouldn't. I wouldn't really go as far as to say his performance is bad. Um, I, I think it's I more. It doesn't hurt. The it's movie. more the fault of the way the movie is written and shot. I uh, guess. I mean, I, they don't really give him a lot to say, so I suppose mm. I could. I could agree with that. Um, but you can tell the studio did not have a lot of faith in him because now they're just loading the sequel with other superheroes <laughs> to take all the attention away from him. Sorry, Henry. Uh, that's what you get for being British and trying to fight for truth, justice in the American way. Uh, we talked about one kind of weird and revealing performance by an actor this year. How about uh, Joseph Gordon-Levitt in uh, Don John? So this is his also his directorial debut. Mm. He's basically playing the situation. <laughs> and it's it's pretty funny i, I mean I, I i suppose i mean it's a pretty one-dimensional character i mean so there's only so much you can do with it like i mean this is maybe going into more territory of the movie itself but my complaint with it is i feel like there wasn't enough problems in don john's life like i feel like his life was pretty good so i feel like he didn't have enough i mean he definitely had flaws but i feel like he didn't have enough conflict going against him i mean that's again maybe that's not an acting thing maybe we'll talk more about the movie but the, the acting performance, I mean, it's it's good. It's funny. Like I was saying, though, I think it may be a little one-dimensional. Then, then again, like how like you're yeah, playing an idiot. So, like like most how much of the characters of this do? movie are pretty one-dimensional, but not like not like quite to a condescending degree. I guess I guess with this performance, I kept wondering if maybe he was poorly cast, since he is kind of a puny guy mm-hmm. to be playing a, a macho dude, but. At the same time, I feel like if you did get someone like like Channing Tatum or or Mark Wahlberg or something. Not as big a star, but Bobby Carnival. Yeah, I actually thought of him would have been a good choice for this role, except 
I don't know. Maybe don't he's know a little old. old. I feel like he's at least Not in his forties. Yeah. But at the same time, I guess Joseph Gordon-Levitt's. You know, he's got a very likable quality to it that maybe helped this character from being just a complete dumb douchebag that <laughs> would not be fun to watch. Yeah, I mean you all. don't hate him, you like him. Yeah. And I think that's mainly on on Gordon Levitt's kind of charm as a star. So I don't know. Yeah, so I th- I think that's a good point that maybe he's just miscast. Like he does the most he can with it, but mm-hmm. he's just not he'll he it's it's never gonna be enough for the character perhaps. It's not bulky enough. Yeah. It's not Henry Cavill. So <laughs> <laughs> he's got chest, chest hair. He grows a beard at one part. It's pretty cool. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so let's move on to a movie I didn't see. The Hunger Games. Catching Fire. Uh, this is Josh Hutcherson. And, you know, on one level, it's it's really an interesting character uh, because it's such a flip on gender roles. We have Katniss, who is like our, our leading character, and she's tough. She's quiet. She can take care of herself. She likes to be alone. And then you have the love interest, who's like pretty, and you know, he's nice. So beautiful. <laughs> um, but he basically has nothing to say or contribute <laughs> to anything. He's basically a, a damsel in distress uh, for the back half, if not the entirety of this movie. And going forward, basically the next two sequel movies, he's just going to be a... Reach out to Colin to tell him. He's just going to be a damsel in distress, Colin. It's going to be rough on poor Josh Hutcherson. He doesn't have a lot of good times ahead of him. Um, which is why I wanted to get him this award now before <laughs> it's too late and people forget he exists. He'll do other movies, John. He's not just going to do Hunger Games. He probably, probably has another one of those Journey to the Center of Something movies coming out. I think there is Journey another to the one of Center coming. of the Sun. They'll probably go to the bottom of the sea, maybe, in the next one. That's center of the Sun. Um, but it has to be a Jules Verne. Or go inside like a human, like Fantastic Voyage. Yeah. They should do that, that again. He could be you can inside go inside a person. Henry Cavill, you guys are so fascinated <laughs> by his body. Don't tease us, John. Um... But yeah, in a, in a in a movie like Catching Fire with such a fun ensemble cast, it's it's hard to even remember that this guy is basically like your second lead and it has nothing really interesting going for him. Mm-hmm. Too bad, poor guy. Uh, how about Matt Damon in Elysium, though? Right, Nancy, Colin. <laughs> so I was not planning on seeing this movie, but I happened to be uh, staying with Nancy in San Diego during a week. When it was like 90 degrees every day, but it felt like a hundred million degrees. <laughs> and Nancy didn't have air conditioning in his apartment. It was so hot. So we we're like, oh, let's just go to the theater. Let's, I don't care. Just anything. We'll see anything. And so we decided on Elysium, which isn't like that great of a movie to go see in the heat because it's set on Earth in Los Angeles in the future when everything's hot and dusty and dirty and shitty. <laughs> And this it makes really, you want to like be on Elysium. Like, yeah, it oh, does because it looks. Yeah, everything on Elysium looks nice. It's probably an air conditioned space, space station. Station. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I'm guessing if it's in space, there's air conditioning. <laughs> I'll just leave it open. Anyways, I wasn't a huge fan of this movie. It was kind of like District Nine in that it sets up a lot of interesting ideas. But the last hour just becomes an action movie splatter fest. Oh, I almost liked it better than District 9. I like District uh, 9 more. Um, how much of the movie is Matt Damon a robot man? 
Like probably half. I, yeah, I'd probably say like 70%. They, they get to him pretty early. Yeah, something like that. Does he lose his emotions when he becomes a robot man? No, he's still mad. He's not a robot. He's just like he's got exoskeleton. Yeah. Oh, that's what's going on. Yeah. I thought he like died and then like made him into a robot. He like it's not like like that. The he basically no. dies. Oh, well, there you go. Gets like burned. Yeah, I really can't. He, he gets <laughs> like the, he like works in this like radiation factory. <laughs> yeah, mm-hmm. Basically, seems like a bad thing. I remember that from the trailer. <laughs> yeah, and then so, like there's this room and. Like, some shit is wrong with the door, and his boss is like, go in there and fix it. And he's like, uh, no, I'll probably die. And his boss is like, well, I'll just get someone else to do it. You're fired. He's like, no, 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 I'll do it. And he goes in there. And then, like, one of the guys from Dark Knight comes. William Fickner. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Defining role. <laughs> and then uh, shit goes down. Anyways... I don't think Matt Davis given a lot here. He's like this character. He's like a former con, but there's not much to him. And it's one of it's another one of those performances where Matt Damon is just so good at basically starring in action movies where he's not given much in terms of character. Obviously, the Bourne series is the precedent for this, and he's 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 solid. He's I Matt had, Damon. He's fun. a movie star. He, Commands the screen. Got caught in that wave of stars having to shave their head and stuff. I suppose. Who else did that? Um, the guy from Homeland, Dame, <laughs> Damon Lewis. Yeah, Damien Lewis. You don't uh, even know his name. Don't you like that show? I like that show. I like Band of Brothers too. He's a good guy. <laughs> Life on okay. Mars. Um, I showed Bill Copley in that movie. He's good. Uh, he's a pretty one-note villain. He's just, like, really angry and wants to kill Bad David. He also has a super suit, right? Yeah. Oh. Yeah, he has, I remember him having a sword. I, don't even, I guess I didn't notice he was in a super suit. <laughs> That's too, it's too bad, because this was the year of Charlotte Copley trying to play villains, and no one cared about old boy at all. And if he's not good in this... Back to South Africa. <laughs> Um, and our final nominee shocks me. Uh, someone put up Robert Downey Jr. from Iron Man 3. I think it was just when we were filling out the list. The more I think about it, maybe he's too good. He's so good at playing Iron Man. I don't know. I mean, maybe it's because that movie was just okay. I mean, I liked it better than the second one, but, like, maybe at the time I figured, oh, he's just kind of, he doesn't even have to try to do it. But maybe it's because he's so good he doesn't have to try. Yeah. Yeah. I love him. He's yeah, great. we don't, I don't know. Yeah, I I, I can like, be easily convinced that he's better than. Uh, I feel like half the people I talk to, it's it's a good movie, and half say it's awful. I think I think it's fine. I think it's how I, f- I think that's how I feel. I liked it. Maybe I need to see it again. I liked it because um, I, I didn't like the second one. The more I think about it, and this one's definitely better than that one. Mm-hmm. I know a lot of people who don't like the section of the film where he's away from his armor and helping out that kid, but I thought that was pretty good. It's pretty funny. Um, it, it is kind of disappointing that it's the exact same plot as Iron Man 2, <laughs> just with different people just and, and different, I guess, villain power in the end. Yeah, but sweet Shane Black's good. Yeah, it's it. funny. Um, I just hope if they ever make an Iron Man 3 which or an Iron Man 4, uh, which I don't think they will, I hope they can come up with a better villain than a rich business rival of Tony's. 
Guy Pierce with brain powers who won the mildly pleasing acting award last yeah, year. And or the, lifetime achievement, excuse me. <laughs> yeah, and he's still very worthy of that honor. <laughs> so, guys, who is our mildly pleasing actor of the year? I mean, I think I'm leaning towards Joseph Gordon Levitt, maybe. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. I don't know how mildly pleasing Josh Hutcherson is. <laughs> I just he's he's I feel like Josh Hutchinson is pretty good, but I get where you're coming from because he's just the character doesn't have like anything to do. He's just like unconscious. I feel like I, I, he was unconscious more than he was conscious in this movie. <laughs> I think he's fine. Yeah. What if I told you he wasn't unconscious in this entire movie at all, and that was just his performance? <laughs> I um. I don't know. I'm still leaning towards Joseph Gordon-Levitt. Maybe it's just because it's such a mildly pleasing movie, and I think. Catching Fire is maybe a little better. Maybe. I don't know. That might be kind of mildly pleasing, too. Okay. Well, I'll go with John if, if that's what John believes. Um, I, I, can, I can get behind it. That. Um, all right, then. Joining his buddy, Channing Tatum. <laughs> it does seem a little weird to give Joseph Gordon-Levitt a mildly pleasing award since we all seems like so about him. Yeah. I remember he was on our band crush list. Me, too. It's just, uh, whatever. I, I guess he's not allowed to write and direct his own stuff. I mean, Matt Damon can be great. He's up here. He's yeah, I guess these, p- yeah, all these the, guys are pretty good. But not only even, even or all at least three out of fault. the five. Sometimes are. it's just, like, the writing. Like, yeah, I feel like Josh Hutcherson can be pretty... Case. <laughs> I feel like, like, like Josh Hutcherson can be pretty good. It just, it was a combination of what he had to give and then the fact that the part as written, I don't know. It was a combination of those things. Yeah. Mm, okay. So how about the final award on this special award show that we're doing, the most mildly pleasing movie of 2013? Our first nominee is The Conjuring. There's a lot of, I guess, hype for this when it was coming out. I mean, I went to go see it. It got good reviews. People were saying, oh, it's really scary. And that surprised me because, you know, horror movies don't usually come out to good reviews. So, and it had Scott Patrick Wilson and he's <laughs> one of my man crushes. So I went to go check it out. And it's basically every haunted house movie that's ever been made. Nothing – not a single thing about it that's surprising. Everything is done competently. It's well acted. You know, I like seeing Patrick Wilson and Vera Farmiga and Ron Livingston – in anything, he's, he's fun. <laughs> You'll see Rod Livingston in anything. Yeah, it, it, it's his family. It's basically that's being like haunted. It's basically Patrick Wilson and Vera Farmiga are paranormal investigators, and they go to Ron Livingston's family's house because their house is haunted, and they're trying to get to the bottom of all this shit. This and is it's very familiar territory. I like the fact that it's in the past. It's like in the seventies, so it has a kind of an old school feel to it. So that's nice. But there's nothing about it that's surprising at all. This is based on. I hesitate to say it, a true story, but yeah, but like a true story. But like the characters in this movie are, are real Everyone's people real, that, yeah. uh, that allege that this real story paranormal happened. investigators who investigated this house. Does that lend anything to the movie? I mean, there's not really. They, they have like a lot of other, a handful of other scenes where they show them giving like actual lectures that happened, <laughs> but they still feel like they could have just been made up. They still feel very stock and familiar. There's nothing about them that seems unique or makes them seem like they're real. Like maybe they changed them. I don't know. It's just, it's really unspectacular, <laughs> but it's not bad. It's all very competent. All right, then. Um, you've heard about it in our actor category. Let's talk about Don John in its entirety. 
You know, I've said it and I'll say it again. I don't think there's enough conflict for, in this movie for me. I mean, it's funny and I had some fun here and there, but I, I, I mean, at the end of the day, I just I don't feel like it was a story worth telling. If that's the best they can but do, but what's like, the story? Like, what's well, the plot? I mean, the main conflict in the story is that Don John jerks off too much. Which <laughs> is that a huge problem in someone's life? Well, what about Shane? I mean. That movie sort of took it to an extreme level, making like the tone of it seem so, so heavy. Like this is ruining this man's life in the most terrible way possible. But man, it's just jerk it off. <laughs> it's not like it's not the most life-altering conflict. So I haven't seen it, but isn't it also like he like starts a relationship with Scarlett Johansson? And, mm-hmm. and, and he like has to like you think he would have to give it up to get with her, but then the movie kind of takes a different direction in the end. Well, the part in the trailer I remember is she like he's like I hate going to real movies. Why can't we just watch porn all the time? So that I mean that seems like a like a a real mental problem that he has. Like that's that is not a normal human brain that can't mm, that's not really what it's like because he's he's like a still ashamed of it he's okay. not like hey scars hey let's hang out and watch poor movies all night that's not what happens in the movie like at all enough. it's the exact opposite actually and it's not like they walk out of movies like i wish that was a porno <laughs> <laughs> it's later when she finds out that he's like doing pornography and he's saying, well, it's just like you and your movies. You know, he tries to use this as an argument. And, mm. and then she's like, do you movies win awards? He's like, porn wins awards too. Because <laughs> she's all obsessed with romantic comedies and thinks that that's a realistic depiction of love. And that's an interesting oh, idea. I believe the movie within the movie had Channing Tatum in it. Yeah, that was pretty funny. Him and Anne Hathaway <laughs> started that movie. So it's a movie about how the media distorts our perception of reality and our expectations for what our lives could be. Mm-hmm. That seems pretty deep. It is, but I don't know if the movie quite goes as deep as it maybe needs to. Well, I'm sure Don John doesn't have that problem. Um, <laughs> how about uh, Much Ado About Nothing, the Joss Whedon vanity project of I just made like the most money a movie's ever made, so <laughs> fuck you, I'm going to do whatever I want. Um, for me, this was fun because much to do about nothing is kind of like my, probably my favorite Shakespeare play and, um, it being a cast of characters that at the time I didn't know all of, but now it's like entirely recognizable faces to me. Um, cause I basically seen everything he, he drew his cast from, um, I get it. And it's it's interesting that it's a, he shot it like in a weekend at his house while they were having a party, and there's there's some redeeming qualities to it, but um, I, I I don't know I, I guess I don't think it really escapes the reality of it just being like such a such a uh, I guess like a. Just a way of, of showing off like how successful he is. So you go, like, oh, I can make a movie in black and white with all my friends and in my house. And look at me, I could interpret Shakespeare a little bit different, but mostly just do it in the actual Shakespearean dialogue instead of 
dumbing it down like that Leonardo DiCaprio Romeo and Juliet movie that no one saw but it's been around for a while. Did they dumb it down? I thought they did it word for word in that one. But they had like guns and shit instead of swords. It's like, I am my sword! He like points a gun. It's all like, Like, that's not a sword, that's a gun. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it was like the modern day sword. Whoa. That's the the level that movie's working on. Yeah, I guess. It's it's first I guess because I'm a sucker, and I admit that I'm a sucker. It's fine with me. Um, have you guys? Was this the first much to do about nothing adaptation you'd ever seen? Yeah, yeah. I'm not familiar with the story, and frankly, I was a little bored. Colin pointed out earlier to me that I did fall asleep. Went to go. He was right next to me. me. I was like, "Whoop, John fell asleep. Should I wake him up? Should I let him it's always take the question. a nap?" Maybe maybe he didn't get a good night's sleep last night. Mm-hmm. Nothing says good sleep like falling asleep in a theater chair. Yeah. That's <laughs> why I didn't wake him up. <laughs> uh, but it's okay. Um, yeah, I, I enjoy any time I'm forced into witnessing Shakespeare because as, as smart as I try to act like I am, I'm really a dummy when it comes to Shakespeare. I haven't seen a whole lot. So it was nice. And you got to see some Alexis Denisoff and uh, Amy Acker, two of the stars of TV's Angel. I sure did. (laughs) They're good. I like them. They're good good peoples. Okay. How did you guys feel about Star Trek Into Darkness? Fine. I mean, we had a whole podcast about it. Yeah, we did. Where (laughs) I feel like the consensus was that we had a good time. We like most of the characters, but the fact that they recycled essentially a character, and I mean, not a plot, but definitely a character. And they did it badly. Let's face it. Yeah. The the whole con thing was done poorly. Um, and, and I feel like my other big complaint was it doesn't really seem like a Star Trek movie at all at this point. It's just a space action movie um, with super familiar Star Trek references in it. Sorry, the sprinkler got turned on for some reason. <laughs> the nerd sprinkler. I don't know. I like... I thought it was fine, too. Like, I, I'm not... Maybe it's just because I'm not that into Star Trek as much as Sean is, but... I thought it was fine. I didn't think the con thing was... The worst thing to ever happen in cinema history. It wasn't no. that it was the worst thing. It was that it was like the laziest thing. Mm-hmm. It was the easiest solution. And, and the easiest solution is never should never be the solution. They, they went to the trouble of like creating a separate like persona for this character and like giving him a different imaginary backstory just for them to reveal it to be Khan. Even though within the continuity of the movie that is a meaningless reveal because – him changing his name to them is, is nothing. It's only because they had to bring back Leonard Nimoy that the name Khan has any relevance at all to that film. And it's it's lazy and dumb, but it's it's a fun action movie though. Yeah. Like I, I thought it was all right. Sound pegs kicking ass. This is the pegs, best part. So good. Who knew? I think we all knew. Yeah, I think we all knew. <laughs> <laughs> Chris Pine's a good-looking man as well. Yeah, he is. Um, how do you guys feel about the Wolverine? Did anyone get around to seeing that yet? Just you. I'm looking forward to renting it, I suppose. <laughs> is it worth a rental, Joe? I would say it's worth a rental. Um, 
What was really interesting to me was reading the comic book after seeing this movie and seeing that the comic book is a super straightforward story of like this Wolverine goes back, his girlfriend's getting married, he's pissed, so he basically like meets up the guy who's gonna he just beats the shit out of the guy who's gonna marry his, his girlfriend and like marries her and like that's the whole plot. And here they made it this movie about like there's one mutant who has the ability to like see the future and she's helping him out and there's this old man who has the ability to suck people's mutant powers out permanently and inject them into himself. Uh, there's giant robots. There's a ninja army. Wait, giant robots? There's a giant robot. Oh, just one. Silver Four. Samurai okay. isn't he a robot? Yeah, now a guy Sil- in a robot Silver costume. Samurai is a giant robot. Okay. And uh, that's really dumb. Silver Samurai is not a particularly great character in my memory but he but he's got a cool name yeah and he Who doesn't, doesn't want to see a silver sailor he doesn't have to be a, a giant robot because why would does anyone like really want to see wolverine fight a giant robot maybe you <laughs> if it was no. a sentinel okay then yeah it has no to be one. pretty big yeah okay so sentinel will be like way bigger this is just like it's like two or three people tall not not that giant mm-hmm. but giant enough to be called giant i think uh, and that's a weird fight too. It takes place at the top of a castle in the middle of like this tiny village. It's like, it's like this. It's like having a skyscraper, but then all the other buildings around it are like maybe two stories tall tops, and it's just like a shitty rundown village. It's like, how did this happen? Like, they, was this a secretly constructed skyscraper? I'm asking you, Colin. Uh, well, you says in the middle of nowhere, so I'm in sure they could. Nowhere in Japan. They could per- well, Japan's not that. Not a lot of land. Yeah, underground. So. <laughs> Well, some of it's underground. I don't know. Um, but there's some pretty they fun... They build it in the sky and then they uh, lift it down after <laughs> they build all of it in the sky. That sounds really expensive. <laughs> but it's awesome. Sweet. Um, but as someone who avoided the other Wolverine movie, uh, <laughs> but who did like X-Men First Class, I thought this was another solid entry in the series with some good uh, action scenes. I mean, Hugh Jackman's is still... As good an actor as I would ever expect to find to play Wolverine, um, so you know, I'll got, get to it someday. Yeah, because even in shitty X Men Origins Wolverine, Hugh Jackman's so good with mm-hmm. this character, and this character is good enough like to go check him out and see what he's doing just for the performance. At the very least, there's one uh, sequence where there's an attack on a funeral that leads to uh, a chase that goes all the way onto a bullet train where they fight on top of a bullet train and it's like such a, a silly way to like amp up your typical fight on top of a train to have it going so fast but it's it's pretty funny to watch and and, and cool too so i think it's an all right movie um but from what i'm hearing it sounds like like don john is is our is our pick because it's it has the ambition it just doesn't get there I could go maybe Star Trek. Yeah, that, was, that would have oh, been my really? other pick was Star Trek. I guess because we have all seen it, and I uh, I pretty much got what I was expecting <laughs> out of a Star Trek sequel. Just a kind of fun, slick action movie. Uh, I guess I wasn't as worked up about the con thing, even though, yeah, I guess it is kind of lazy. Yeah, I would go with either that one or Don John. Hmm. Well, I guess I would have to go with Star Trek then because I haven't seen Don John. Well, let's just go with Star Trek then since we've okay. all seen it. You're right with that, Nancy? Sure. You this it. is a group podcast after all. Four-man group. Yep. 
so there you have it. The uh, award show that Hollywood doesn't want you to hear. The most okay, mildly pleasing, mediocre media of the entire year. Uh, as, as I said earlier in the podcast, you can find our viral videos posted over at our blog, mildlyplease.com. We're also going to start posting um, our, our top tens of 2013 next week uh, when we dive into TV shows, right? Um, I don't know what lists are going to go up then, uh, but after that we'll have um, movies and... Albums? Albums, maybe. Video games albums, from you? Al- albums and video games, if they're not, if we don't do anything... Uh, on the podcast will at least be lists you'll be able to find on the mildlypleased.com website. And, of course, you can keep tuned to our podcast feed on iTunes where you can rate us and review us or not. Um, And, you know, it's been been another year, guys. We're going to be two years old in uh, in a few weeks. And uh, 2013 sucked, but it's, it's been a lot better being able to work with you three gentlemen. So... Oh, it was uh, a pleasure. My thanks to you and whoever the hell else out there is listening to this. Uh, we'll see you in 2014.